I love the Presbyterian tradition <clears throat> because it says um, the, the, that the Spirit will show up um, when the Word is rightly preached and rightly heard, which means that I have work to do before I preach these things, and you have work to do listening. <laughs> it's a team sport. Uh, so together, let us come humbly before God. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we ask your blessing that your spirit move among us in these words uh, uh, of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the conversations among us all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are working our way through a number of parables this summer. Here we come to Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Uh, to hear two parables uh, that are woven into one passage this morning. Listen for the word of the Lord. Jesus said to one who had invited him, he is at a social gathering, Jesus said to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, everything's now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, well, I bought a piece of land. I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to go try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, oh, I've just been married. Therefore, I cannot come. So the servant returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became furious and said to his servant, go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I go time and time again to Alice in Wonderland. Following the white rabbit down the hole, eventually Alice comes to the Mad Hatter's tea party. The table is ornately set for high tea. And the tea time, well, it's six o'clock. In fact, the clock's broken, so it's always six o'clock, which means it's always tea time. But there's only three participants, the Mad Hatter, the Hare, and the Dormouse. And the Dormouse is used as a footstool. The three partygoers just keep changing chairs, moving around the table so that the party goes on, pretending that it's a real celebration. 
but no one else is ever going to come. The party is limited. And so it was in the parable told by Jesus about this party that was for the few, the special people in town. Now this is a passage that you may have heard before and you may have heard in terms of hospitality, biblical hospitality, and since you've probably heard about hospitality before, I am not gonna talk about that this morning. I'm just gonna simply talk about friendship. When you have a celebration, when you have a party, it's really about friendship. Friends are important. It's like, you know, we're in the depths of reality where it's like we're in the submarine and we send out these pings to see where we are and it's only when we get the ping back that we can orient ourselves in life. That's what friends are like. They help us to know where we are. We see ourselves reflected in the eyes of the friends around us. Without them, it just doesn't quite feel as real. Well, what if our friends do not show up in our lives? Jesus says, somebody gave a party. Somebody, evidently a very important somebody. A somebody who had a select list of other somebodies, a who's who of the city. You kind of wonder who was on the list. Somebody with the most charisma, somebody with the most power, somebody with the most wealth, somebody to make the host feel important about himself. All these somebodies get an invitation and then one by one make their excuses. They say, in essence, one says, my economic status is more important than you and your party. I'm not coming. Another makes an excuse, I've got business. I'm just too busy for you. Another says, oh, my family. Family always comes first. It's more important than you. What they end up being is these insults, Slight after slight, insult after insult, and all of a sudden, the host, the host of the party, the somebody who truly was a somebody, ends up feeling like a nobody. Why would nobody come? Maybe the host was full of himself. Maybe he told his stories too often. Others had gotten tired of them. Maybe it just had become routine. The host had invited too much, and now there's less less laughter, less mirth, less spirit. People go out of a sense of duty, not because they really want to go. Friendship sometimes feels like a burden, doesn't it? Someone who is a friend, uh, it's good when it's convenient at the right time and the right place, but not when it's inconvenient. This group of friends, maybe they'd gotten together and said, you know, this guy is just boring anymore. We're not going. We look around and see the world And we recognize that people are judged on how much they have, on how much they consume, on how much much they've been convinced that what is going on in their lives, in their business, in their family is more important than anything else. And so their world narrows and narrows and narrows. The great novelist Henry James was asked why he wrote books and he replied in, in, uh, in nautical terms, he said, the port from which I set out was, I think, that of the essential loneliness of my life. The loneliness is the deepest thing about me. 
deeper than my genius, deeper than my discipline, deeper than my pride. The loneliness was what compelled him. Friendship really matters. Friendship matters. Aristotle wrote about friendship. In fact, that's where he started his great book on ethics was talking about friends. He said, without friends, no one would choose to live. And so he identifies three types of friends. He said, some friends are entertaining. They're just really fun to be with. Other friends are useful. They help you get, a get ahead. Friends like that, it's like being offered a credit card. <laughs> Feels like a gift because you get something now, but the truth is you have to pay them back later with interest. We have credit card friends. They're not really friends. They're just more like a business transaction. Those who cannot pay cannot play, and those who can pay are just being played. Jesus flips that thinking. I want to talk about that in a minute. But there's a third type of friendship that Aristotle talks about. Aristotle talks about a true friend, somebody who, uh, who, who makes you more noble because they live life like an art. Um, they, they really inspire you with how they live. But, but Aristotle goes on to say, you know, you really can only be friends with people who are your social equals. The same class, the same, the same status as you. Again, you have a narrow understanding of friendship. Jesus flips all that thinking on its head and gives us this altogether different world, not a world of exclusion, but a world where he says, when you plan a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the outcast, the, out, the downcast, the cast off, the cast out, the weird, the worn, the used up, burnt out, and put out to pasture. Instead of inviting all the somebodies, put on a party for the nobodies. And he says, compel these people to come in. Make it such a great party that they have to come. They have to come because it's going to be so good. And let them know that they are wanted. There's an anthropologist uh, whose work I like very much, Victor Turner. Uh, he, he, he studies uh, social uh, class and social differentiation and how people set up groups that they belong to uh, and, and they put up walls between these different groups, whether it be by wealth or status or power or, uh, or, or location or where they live or, uh, or, or family heritage. They have all sorts of ways of dividing themselves. And yet, Turner says, there can come moments in life when when life as it normally functions somehow has a breach, something becomes broken, and all of a sudden the wall comes down and we see these people that we hadn't seen before. And, and we begin to have some interaction with them, and all of a sudden we begin to smile at one another because it's, it's, it's a different experience. When does that happen? I don't know, I, I'm, I'm going to my 50th high school reunion next week. <laughs> and, and nothing has quite all the barriers of social groups than high school. And it, it, it has all these tribes and divisions and walls that can be pretty high. But I remember one New Year's Eve 
there was a guy who had a band. And I mean, this is a garage band. To tell you how high, high class they were, they used an old hearse to carry their, uh, their band stuff in from place to place. And this guy just wanted to play on New Year's Eve and nobody had invited him to play, so he rented the basement of a, a, basement of a Legion Hall in some little town out in the country and just by word of mouth spread that if anybody wanted to come, they could. So it wasn't one group of people. It wasn't the in kids or the jocks or the, uh, uh, or, 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 or the, the, the musicians. It was, it was just, it was a little bit of everybody and since your friends largely weren't there, you had all these other people from whom you were usually separated and, and you started talking with them. And we spent the whole night talking with each other and dancing with each other and singing together. And, and at midnight, everybody got a kiss. And, and, and it was like that, that moment, just that short period in time, the walls all came down. And then we went back to school and, and you know, the, the walls go back up again, but they don't go up quite as high. And you'd see somebody from this different group, somebody who used to scowl at you in the hallway and now who no longer scowls, they smile. That's communitas. Life in a party, a really good party that, that doesn't just end at the end of the party, it goes on. Bono, in the group U2, he sang a song about, about the different factions in Northern Ireland. And he talked about how there were some streets where when you were in one religion, you saw the name of that street, you didn't walk on that street, you only walked on other streets and you knew the names of those streets. So he sang this song, not about the fighting factions, but he, he sang a song about wanting to take shelter from the poison rain in that place where the streets have no name. Where the streets have no name. Communitas, writ large, that was his dream. Okay, so my high school experience and, and U2's, U2's uh, song uh, is ancient history, so let's talk about something contemporary. Let's talk about the Barbie movie. <laughs> How many here have seen the Barbie movie? I gotta know. Okay, thank you. First service, there was nobody. Yeah, some of you have seen it. That's, that's good. What's the Barbie movie about? I don't want to be a spoiler, but I have to intrigue you. Starts out with a happy dance party because at, in Barbie land, everything is, is happy and clappy and dancey and, and, and all the Barbies who look like original Barbie are invited and they're having this, this wonderful dance party until original Barbie chattering along starts talking about death. And when in Barbie land, when you talk about death, the party stops. <laughs> which is to say she begins questioning the meaning of life, about pain and suffering and torture and exclusion and difference, those who are hurting and the outcasts. Barbie goes to see weird Barbie, outcast Barbie, and, and they become aware that all the Kens are second-rate citizens and, and half of the partiers want to exclude the other half of the partiers. They're putting up walls and more walls. 
It's a wonderful movie. I recommend it to you. But you have to want to laugh. <laughs> you have to want to laugh. And you want to have to think about how we fit in this world where all these walls come up. But the transformation happens. I'll just give you a clue in the movie. It's the weird ones who help the transformation happen. What does Jesus say but to invite all the weird ones out there? Friendships matter. When we feel like someone is our friend, we feel connected to life. We feel a sense of warmth and affection. When you have somebody that feels like your friend, there's, it's, it's, you, you can share things, intelligent things, more easily. You can have religious experience more profoundly. Isn't that why we gather every Sunday? Because in the gathering of friends, we feel God's presence more profoundly in this gathering of people trying to be friends. In everyday life, friends matter because they reveal things that we wouldn't otherwise have seen. And they conceal things in a good way. They put up boundaries to help protect our dignity. We're reflected in the eyes of our friends. They uh, help us to know what is best about ourselves and they accept what is worst about ourselves. They're the ping in the darkness that helps us guide ourselves. And among friends, you do not have to prove yourself. You don't have to show your bona fides. And in fact, reality, in, in our faith, we kind of recognize that no one's really fit to make God's guest list. We're all imperfect, broken, rejects, outcasts, outsiders. But God is the host of the party, and God invites us in. That scripture passage today uses the word kaleo, which is to call, 12 times. Trying to make the point, you are invited, you're noticed, you're valued, you're wanted, you're loved. You are invited, accept the fact that you are accepted. Love the fact that you are loved. And enter into the party, enter into the celebration that God intends. Honor the host. Honor the host of the party by making sure that everyone else knows that they are welcome. In this congregation, make sure that anyone who walks through the doors knows that they are valued, welcomed, invited to be part of this community, part of this gathering of friends. And when we leave this place, make sure that the rest of the world knows that they are part of the party, part of the celebration. Love the stranger, love the different, love the outsiders, the weird and the wonderful. Welcome them in this world. Each of us has been invited and now we have the choice about who will and who will not be included on our list. Coming to the party is a way of becoming more human and helping others to experience who they are in their full humanity. The boundaries are broken down, the belonging happens, and you're compelled, you're driven to care because they, more and more people, become your friends.
And, 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 and it's not an ideal world, but there are moments, moments when you really do feel those walls breaking down. And you feel for these friends that you would do anything for them. And, and you have the sense that they would really do most anything for you. And you know that you have something crucial to contribute and that you are part of a bigger, broader, larger world. This is the celebration about which the host reframes life. A world where the nobodies are not excluded, where all of a sudden the nobodies, the nobodies become somebodies and the walls break down and you see it, you see it, you see it, maybe just for a moment, but forever after the world is changed because you see them differently. And it's something like you have been, yes to a celebration, yes to a party, but more than that, that just for a moment you have experienced here on earth something of the kingdom of God. And you are compelled, compelled to share the celebration. Amen.